Mark 4, verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the, then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Thanks for that, Eunice. We're starting a new series here at Providence called In the Midst of the Saviour, and we're going to be listening to, I guess, up until Christmas, even after Christmas, uh, stories about uh, interactions with Jesus, people hanging out with Jesus and what it's like. And so Eunice just read for us this really famous passage about Jesus calming the storm. And we're going to, as we go through these talks over the next few weeks, we're going to discover uh, more about who Jesus is and more about... um, why we call him the saviour, why Christians uh, know him as our saviour, what is he saving us from, what does it all mean, Uh, questions like that. And uh, I think all these interactions that we see in the Bible about who he is, uh, they're they're really enlightening, they really show us this this great God, really, that that we know, and a God that loves us, and a God who has saved us. So that's what we're going to be doing for the next few weeks. This is the first sermon in our series, uh, In the Midst of the Saviour. I'm really excited for this. Um, Some of my favourite stories from the Bible we're going to talk about as well. I'm going to pray for us. If you want to join me, I'm going to pray that God will um, move us, uh, that we'll respond well to it as well. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you that you do uh, speak to us through it. We thank you so much, Lord, that we have the freedom to come to church, the freedom to, to hear uh, from, your, uh, from, from the Bible. And, uh, and we pray today, Lord, as, as we hear from it, that your, your spirit will be at work in us, that you'll move us to, to consider what it means for us, and, uh, and that we'll live in response to it. So we do pray for that in your son's name. Amen. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever watched The Planet of the Apes? Who here has watched it? Not many of us, right? Uh, why? Because it sounds like it, it's, a, it's a dumb movie, doesn't it? Why do I want to watch a movie about apes that talk? It, it, like, there were movies from the 70s, started in the 70s, and there have been so many reboots. Uh, and, and throughout my lifetime, I've just been thinking, why do I want to watch a film about monkeys that talk? Uh, it's, it's a science fiction film that just seems so irrelevant. It seems so ridiculous. I had no interest in it until until it got rebooted in 2011. Now, I don't know if you watched the latest trilogy, right? So the first one was um, The Rise of the Planet of the Apes. You have to watch this one. If you, if you have no interest, watch this one so you can understand the whole premise of the Planet of the Apes, you know, why it exists, why there's a planet of apes that talk. Anyways, why do, like, it, it, it's ridiculous, but this actually helps. Like, uh, it starts off with a guy who's trying to cure Alzheimer's. His dad's got it, his dad's got dementia, he's trying to improve the cognitive ability of his sick dad. And so he creates this drug, right, that's supposed to help the brain improve. And they test it on apes. And so there's one, um, fast forward a bit, there's one of these baby chimpanzees called Caesar who gets exposed to this drug. And the scientist soon discovers that he's super intelligent. Caesar's super intelligent, he can draw pictures, he can solve puzzles. He eventually is able to speak 
fluent English with an American accent. It's amazing, right? And so this ape uh, learns how to speak because he's, he's really smart. He's got this, you know, had this drug implanted and whatever. Uh, he becomes really independent over time. And eventually, he sees all these other apes being mistreated. And he wants to free those apes. And he frees those apes and then exposes them to this, this drug, this substance as well. And they all become super intelligent. Right? And they realize that the humans are mistreating them, and so they go to war with the humans, and they escape into the forest. Right? That's the premise. That's what happens in the first movie, essentially. Uh, you know, and then you've got the trilogy, and then you've got the, the dawn of the apes, and then the, the war against the apes, whatever it's called. That's how it all begins, though. Right? It all begins because there's a group of men that want to cure Alzheimer's. But in doing so, they had the audacity to think that they could control and have power over these apes, these monkeys. Right? I was intrigued. You, you, the movie actually was quite interesting. It's, it's, it became more than just a movie about talking monkeys. It's, a, it's about the human desire to explore new frontiers. And you go a bit deeper, and it's about the human desire to have power over our circumstances, don't you think? To have control, to have control even over nature. And you see that main character, the scientist, he's feeling this heavy burden. He wants to see his father um, healed, essentially. A cure for Alzheimer's. And he's going through this emotional turmoil, that he's going through the storms of his life, uh, through this heartache, through the, through the sadness that he has to face, possibly death. He's desperately looking for a cure. And aren't we all desperate when we're, when we're going through the storms of life? Don't we wish we had the power and control to still the raging waves that keep pounding against us? We've all been there. We all wish we could have control over our health, our bodies, our jobs. We all wish we could have control over our mental and emotional well-being. Man, this year has been hard, hasn't it? There's been a lot of hardships, perhaps a lot of fear even. The potential of losing your, your income, the potential of getting sick, the potential of getting coughed upon. Man, that's scary, right? How many of you have felt that? You've been on a bus and you're like, oh, someone's coughing around me. You feel instantly uncomfortable. There's that little fear there. We've all felt uncomfortable this year. And don't we wish we had that power just to have a bit of control over our circumstances, to calm the storms? What if there was one who did have that power, one who could calm the storm, who, who could give us a confidence even amongst the waves of life, even when we feel like we're drowning, Today, I want to invite you to see and experience what it was like to come into the midst of the Savior, to meet and know the Jesus of the Bible, just as the disciples did, his people, his followers did, through their experiences with him. So keep your Bibles open at that passage, Mark chapter 4, um, because we're going to read it together. Verse 35, let's read it again. It says this, that, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now let me stop there. Right, we're in Mark's Gospel. So Mark, he was one of the writers of the Gospel. Uh, he's recounting this eyewitness account from one of the disciples who experienced um, being with Jesus. Jesus had been teaching parables all day. He was teaching stories on the shore of the sea to big crowds. And he says to his followers, his, his close uh, disciples, he says, let's go across to the other side. 
Now, did you pick up the random details here? There's, there's all these random details. That they were in the boat, and there were other boats around them too. That's interesting. And Jesus fell asleep in the stern, so we know where in the boat he fell asleep. And he's sleeping on a cushion. Why is that important? Well, it's really not. I mean, I mean you might be wondering why well, he might be sleeping on a bed of nails, perhaps, or a four-poster bed. But no, it's, it's just a cushion. Uh, I don't know what the color of the cushion was, sadly, but it's, it's a cushion. And it sounds random, doesn't it? But it, it does add to the legitimacy of this story. There's an eyewitness account that's just telling random details. I don't know if you've ever heard me tell a story, but I give you all these details that have nothing to do with anything. But I just like to tell it to you so you can picture it in your head, because I like to have a picture in my mind of, of, of what happened in the story. And this is what Mark is doing for us. He's giving us these, these little details. There was other boats around, and Jesus put his head on a cushion. That's it. But let's find out more. Jesus and his 12 disciples were, were really in a boat. There was really a cushion there, and Jesus would have been tired. Right? He's, he's still human as well. He gets tired from teaching, like, like we all do. We're talking all day. But what happens? A storm hits. Now, this is really interesting, right? There was a literal storm that Jesus and his disciples encountered on the Sea of Galilee, right? It's described as a, a furious squall. We're talking extreme nature, okay? Bomb warnings on the radio, right? Park your car undercover sort of thing, right? Sort of, that sort of hurricane is coming. Now, if you do your research and you know about this, this area, the Sea of Galilee, you'll know that the Sea of Galilee is about 700 feet below sea level. Right, so you've got this place that's 700 feet below sea level, and you've got, uh, not far from it, mountains in the distance. Um, mountains like Mount Hermon, apparently, it's, it's about 9,000 feet high. Right? And so what happens? Who's, who here knows science or, or weather, how it works? Right? If you've got, you got cold air coming down from the mountains, and then you've got this warm, moist air coming up, what do you get? The recipe for the perfect storm. Right? And so that's what happens. It's, it's science. Wow. And so the storm forms on, on, in, 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 over the Sea of Galilee. It starts raging outside. And where's Jesus? He's asleep. Now, I know some of you here are like this as well. You can sleep even in the, in the most loudest storm. There's, there's lightning crackling and everything. Uh, one of our guys here, his name's, his name's Isaac. He's here. Uh, you have this superpower, don't you? You can just sleep in anything. The other day, he came over our place for uh, our... our missional community group on Wednesday night, and we left him in the living room for five minutes because no one was there yet. He was early. We came back, and he was asleep. I was like, how do you fall asleep so easily, so quickly? I swear, even the dog was barking, and he didn't wake up. And I was like, wow, this is like Jesus. Jesus is asleep, and there's a storm raging on outside. You know, and, and, and you can imagine it, can't you? Uh, you? Have you ever been on a boat before where there are waves and it's really choppy? Your boat's like this, right? And you're rocking back and forth. It might be comfortable for some, but I imagine it to be like the pirate ship, you know that ride at the theme park that makes you just sick? And I'm thinking, how can you... It'll be so uncomfortable. Now, these disciples, they're freaking out. This isn't some light sun shower. We've had hail, haven't we, in Brisbane recently? Thunderstorms. No one wants to be caught outside in a thunderstorm. Even worse would be on a boat. I've been fishing on a boat, and it was drizzling once, like just light rain. I was absolutely miserable. It was so sad. And the boat was rocking back and forth, and I was getting motion sickness, and I was cold and shivering from the rain. It was miserable. Worst fishing experience ever. Now, these disciples, they were, remember, some of them were professional fishermen. This was their job. They would always go out onto the water. They'd be used to a little bit of rain, unlike me, right? They'd be used to it. Their job was to go you know, day in and day out onto the water. 
They're not strangers to the elements. They've been in storms before. But listen to the language. A, a furious squall came up. Waves broke over onto the boat. It was nearly swamped. And the disciples, they woke him up and they said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? They're freaking out. Unrelenting rains, heavy winds, waves crashing on the boat. There's pandemonium, right? And you feel so vulnerable, so helpless before this mighty, furious storm with the raging sea around you. And you're getting buckets, you're trying to scoop water out, and you're hardly making a dent. You can imagine how purposeless it would feel. Us human beings, we're tiny against the vastness of it all. There's nothing we can do. We're standing in the face uh, with the forces of nature. And the disciples, these, these fishermen, they're panicking. And who wouldn't be? They, they come to Jesus, and, and it's, I mean, it's totally legitimate, isn't it, to feel a bit scared, to be afraid. They say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now let's see what Jesus does. Verse 39 says this. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Really interesting, all right? So we've got Jesus and we've got the disciples. They're the, the two main characters in this, uh, in this story. What would it be like to be the disciples in the midst of Jesus? Here's the thing about Jesus, right? The disciples address him as teacher. Teacher, why are you sleeping? There is no dispute in history that there was a man called Jesus that lived and taught people. People called him, uh, he was like known as a rabbi figure, as a teacher, a Jewish man who taught people. And you can't really argue against that. There are true Roman records in history of a Jewish man called Jesus that died on a Roman cross in history. I actually learned that uh, at Griffith when I was studying humanities there. There was a real person called Jesus who died on a, on a cross. People knew him as a teacher, a teacher who came to tell people how to, how to be a good person, for example, uh, to love your enemies, be accepting of all people. Something that many people can accept about Jesus. They go, yeah, I believe in Jesus who's a good teacher, the guy who you know, tells us how to be good people. But what about this Jesus? This Jesus who has this unimaginable divine power with a simple command. The forces of nature bow down and submit to him. The one who has actually supernatural power. He got up and he rebuked the wind and the waves. He said, quiet, be still. If you've ever been to my house before, you'll know that I have a little dog. His name's Simba. He literally gets triggered by anything that walks past our house. He starts yapping. And I said, Simba, quiet, be still. And, and he doesn't. He just keeps yapping. I had literally no power over him at times. He just keeps yapping until I grab him and try to hold him back. He's got this little dog syndrome, right? Jesus has this authority here where he rebukes a hurricane and it obeys him. You know, he's like this obedient, well, like the storm is like an obedient, well-trained dog, like, like Muddy, you know, <laughs> if you know Muddy, he's one of our golden retrievers here at church. We're told, right, the wind dies down and goes completely calm, dead calm. I don't know if you know um, your ancient history at all, but in ancient history, uh, people would, would uh, picture the sea, the waters, it would always be known as chaos. It was uncontrollable. If you chose to sail out into the water, you're going into the unknown. You're going into the, the mercy of the water. And you know, you're thinking here, you, know, you, might have, you might have an idea of the direction of the winds, 
you know, and you can use that to your advantage, sure. But you yourself, you can't control the winds. You can't control how strong the winds come. And so there's this timeless truth throughout ancient history and modern history as well that I'm sure many uh, would happily accept that no one, no matter how great you are, can control the forces of nature except God. If God exists, only God can do it because he's God. And so your ancient history, ancient religions who believe that only God could control the waters. In the Old Testament, ancient Israel, right, the people of God, ancient Israel, they spoke about God. Uh, in Psalm 33, I don't have it on the screen, but I'll just read it out. Psalm 33 says, He gathers the water of the sea as a heap. This is God. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Uh, in Amos chapter 4, it says this, For behold, he who forms the mountains and creates the winds declares to man what is his thought, who makes the morning darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord, the God of hosts, is his name. Right? And so, even in the Old Testament, we talk about there's, there's pictures of God who creates the, the world, the wind, the waves, the, the storms. He, he collects it all together. He's the one who is in control of it. It's this beautiful imagery, isn't it? So think about it. We've got now Jesus, who's, who's a man on a boat with his disciples, and he utters a few words, and the storms stop. The storm stops in its tracks. Jesus is he's making a statement, isn't he? You know, he's not saying, you know, he's not asking uh, Thor, the god of thunder, you know, in the name of Thor, quiet and be still. He doesn't need to. He said, Jesus himself is God. Jesus himself is the Lord over the storm, over all of creation. He has the authority to speak words and creation obeys. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Tim Keller, he's a pastor in the U.S. He writes this, Jesus is demonstrating here that I'm not just someone who has power, I am power itself. Anyone and anything in the whole universe that has power has it on loan from me. It's really insightful. The universe depends on God to keep spinning and, and not to implode on itself. And so creation is upheld by God. So when you think about the sun and how powerful the sun is, you know, it can grow the, the flowers and the trees and it can give you melanomas as well. And, and lightning can come and it can cause trees to fall down. The wind can cause tornadoes that blow houses away. Well, you know what? Creation and the forces of nature are at the beck and call of Jesus. If he chose to, he can say, quiet and be still. So do you see what's happening? Jesus is, is so much more than some good guy teacher that walked the earth 2,000 years ago. If you're going to take parts of Jesus, you have to take all of Jesus. Jesus is the Lord who has authority and power as well, who saves his disciples from the storm that rages and threatens their lives. But let's turn to the disciples. We know they're stressed out. They're panicking, right? They think they're going to drown and die, and they're afraid. You know, I, I, I think this is uh, it's, 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 uh, something we'd all feel, for one, fear. Uh, and I know, many of, I know many of us in this room don't like to admit that we have fear sometimes. We don't like to address our emotions, you know, but you should. It's, it's actually healthy sometimes. If you're a man here, yeah, it's okay. If you feel afraid at times. The disciples, I'm sure, were brave, but in the face of a furious squall, waves as high as your house, crashing down, I imagine fear to be totally legitimate. They're afraid they're going to die. They're with this teacher figure. He's taking a nana nap out back. And so they wake him and they say, hey, don't you care if we drown? Grab a bucket or something. Why are you sleeping? Now, I don't know about you in life. Sometimes you felt that fear, you felt that stress, you felt that panic, and at times you felt alone and you're struggling, and you're silently suffering. And I know how hard it can be. I've been on the phone with some of you. I've been face-to-face -face with some of you where we're in tears, and we're thinking, and you're asking that same question. 
I've asked that question. God, I'm sinking. The waves keep crashing over me. Where are you? Are you asleep? Why are you ignoring me? Why are you absent, distant, uncaring? Don't you care for me? I feel like I'm going to die here. Don't you care if we drown? And you feel it, don't you? We've all been there before, helpless, vulnerable, at the mercy of the circumstances around us that we can't control, that we don't have power over. The, the, the relationship, the cancer, the job situation, the betrayal, the loneliness, the anxiety, the depression, when, when things simply just don't go your way. And you know, your, your little boat called life, it's out on the sea, you know, and it's getting thrashed and pounded by the waves. It's not a good feeling, is it? And some of us have been at that point where we feel like we're sinking. You don't want to face tomorrow. And we're crying out to God and say, hey, God, don't you care that we're drowning? I mean, if you cared, if you loved me, wouldn't you protect me from this storm? You wouldn't let these things happen to me. And they're afraid. And Jesus, what does he do? He gets up and he calms the storm. He gets up and he rebukes it and the storm goes calm. But how do they feel about that? What, what do we read after that? They, he calms the storm. They're not just afraid. It says they were terrified now. So one second they're afraid, the storm goes away, and now they're terrified. Is that, that, that doesn't sound right. They should be cool now. Oh, great, the storm's gone. But now they're feeling terrified. The storm is over. The seas are calm. No more waves. The sun is out. Happy days, right? You think their hearts would stop pounding, that they could let out this sigh of relief? They stood there, probably paralyzed in terror of whose presence they're in. It's not that they're afraid anymore, they're terrified. Who is this person that even the wind and the waves obey him? It's an emotional roller coaster. Jesus wields his power and strength, shows him his might and his majesty, but he makes this key statement to them. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Here's the thing that Jesus wants them to see. There will be, there will be thunderbolts and lightning that are very, very frightening. But Jesus says, why are you afraid? Remember who you're in the presence of. He shows his power by calming a storm. Do you get it? You're in the presence of Jesus. Do you still have no faith? The question isn't, the question isn't about the strength or the, or the quantity of your faith or whether you have a weak faith or a strong faith, but it's a question about the object of your faith. Do you still have no faith in who you're with, in who Jesus is? Yeah, the storm is raging on, but whose presence are you in? Yeah, life does suck sometimes. Life is hard, but whose presence are you in? Yeah, you're going to feel like the whole world is against you. You're drowning, but whose presence are you in? We think for God to love us, we think for God to care and protect us, that we wouldn't have to face the storms. That you know, and we have to, and I think that we, we shouldn't have to have to go through panic or stress. But what if God's love for us is precisely that, allowing us to go through the storms, so that we could get through to the other side, so that we could get through to the other side and see the one who is infinitely more powerful than the storm itself. We won't know what power truly is until we have to face the, the unrelenting power of the wind and the waves. Only then will we see who Jesus truly is. So much more than just a teacher and all-around good guy. 
we, you and I, we get to be in the Savior's midst. His presence, His power, and His peace. You see, the reality is the storms actually don't care about you. <laughs> the wind and the waves, they're going to keep pounding against you, and at times you're going to feel like you're drowning. Yeah, the thing about nature is that even, even your body is not immune to the effects of it, right? At some time, we might get a stroke, we might get a heart attack, we might catch COVID-19. It's relentless. Nature doesn't love you. It's indifferent to you. Yet Jesus invites us to know him and to depend on him, to know the source of power itself. And while we might not understand why we have to face the wind and the waves in life, we might not understand that sometimes. Why are we going through this? We can also trust that God is God and that he knows far more than we ever will. A God who is far more powerful, mighty, majestic. We believe, and if we believe that to be true about who he is, we can't question whether he cares for us or not. He doesn't need to disclose every reason to us. He calls us to trust him, though, and to know that he's Lord over the storm and over everything else. Yeah, the disciples, they were terrified, and rightly so. But soon, as you keep going through the Bible, they, they're given the full picture of who Jesus is, this Jesus that they followed. We know it's told to us through the Bible. And, and thankfully for us, who have the Bible for us, we know this Jesus that they were following, that they were with on the, on the boat, this Jesus was the same Jesus who willingly threw himself into the storm for us. You see, there's only, the only storm that can actually eternally sink us, it's the storm of eternal justice, friends. It, it's the reality that you and, all, you and I all have to face a good and holy God and stand before him knowing that none of us are perfect, none of us have a clean record, all of us have sin, me included, right, before a perfect God. And when I say sin, you know, it's, it's that default state of our human hearts. It's the default that, that chooses not to, to, to know God or reject Him. No one is immune to it. Not Gandhi, not the Queen. We're all, we all have sin. We're, you know, even the heroes you grew up with, the goodest, the, the goodest, the, good, the, goodest the, the most good person, you know, as perfect and as, as, as they might seem, we all have sin before God. He's perfect and holy, and we, 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 that's the standard we're never going to reach. But you know what? Jesus... He threw himself into that storm for us, out of his love for you and for me. And the only way that the storm, that eternal storm, that could be, that, that, that the storm of justice could be calmed is if the Son of God himself gave up, gave up his life for us on our behalf. There was no other way. It was his life for mine, his life for you and for me, for the rest of humanity who can't save ourselves. And yeah, he had to use more than his words to calm the wind and the waves. He used his own life on a Roman cross, died the death that was reserved for us so that we wouldn't have to face the ultimate storm. When we realize that, when we see the message of the gospel is one where Jesus, the, the God-man who had power and majesty, give up his life for you and for me, we won't be asking, God, don't you care that I'm drowning? Because you'll realize he's with you and he loves you that you're in the presence of power and peace, even if the wind and the waves are raging around you. We need to experience the storms in life because through the storms, we'll both see the might and the majesty, the comfort and peace that comes from our Lord Jesus. You won't discover it unless you walk through the storm. I love what the famous preacher, his name's Charles Spurgeon from the 1800s, he once said this, he says, I've learned to kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages. I've learned to kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages. And the rock of ages is Jesus. And when you're, count, when you're getting pounded by the waves, 
Throw yourself upon, the, upon Jesus. He's the only firm thing we can hold on to, the only anchor we can hold on to. It's hard. 100% it's hard. No one wants to suffer. No one wants to sink. No one wants to go through a struggle. No one wants to face hardship, hurt, sickness, death, the loss of loved ones. Don't we all want a bit of serenity in life? Don't we all want the, the waves to be still and just to, to cruise through this life to the other side? No one wants to have to navigate through choppy waters, long periods of stress and heartache. We hate suffering. We avoid pain. We want sunshine every day, not scary storms. But what if God loves us and in loving us, allowed us to go through them? Friends, kiss the wave that throws you against the rock of ages. See that Jesus is the one who we can have confidence in, even when the world seems totally against you. Nothing's going your way. Whether you're a Christian here or someone who isn't a Christian or you're, you're here to rediscover Christianity, whatever, we'll, we all have to admit something, don't we? We're all vulnerable. We're all helpless creatures. I know some of you here are very strong people, alpha types, whatever, and you're not afraid of anything, but let's be honest. We don't have power against the elements. We're helpless before them. We don't have control over the storms in our lives. We do often feel overwhelmed, not in control. We all fear discomfort and insecurity. We're limited. We're finite. We constantly have to come face to face with the wind and the waves that crash against our lives. But I want you to hear this. Just like the disciples, you'll find yourself in the midst of the storm. But like them, there's an opportunity to discover and embrace the identity, the majesty, and the power of who Jesus is. You and I can enter into the Savior's midst. And so we're really left with two things to consider, aren't we? After hearing the story about Jesus coming in the storm, the first thing is knowing who he is. That he is more than a man, more than a teacher. He is God and has the authority of God. Get to know Jesus, the powerful God, a God that loves us, doesn't forsake us, and invites us to be in his presence. Secondly, if that is true, where are you going to put your trust then? Where are you running for your peace and security? You're going to face fears in your life. We've already said that. And at times when you face fears, you're going to take flight or you're going to fight. We don't often know how to face our fears. Jesus says the antidote to fear is faith. Let me encourage you, if you haven't already, if you, like me, think you're powerful enough to, to control the storm around you, a gentle reminder, you're not. I'm not. We're not that powerful. But you can put your trust and your faith in Him. Keep running back and throw yourself upon the rock of ages. Throw yourself at the feet of the cross of grace and love upon Jesus and stand in awe of the Savior who threw Himself into the ultimate storm for you and for me. You won't be forsaken. Put your faith in Him Know his salvation while looking forward to the eternal peace and still calm waters that await us in his presence. Uh, some of you might know this already, but yesterday I, um, I jumped out of a plane. I went skydiving. And there was this moment when I'm, where I was free-falling uh, through the sky and it clicked to me, right now, I literally have no control. I have no control, absolutely no control. I'm at the mercy of gravity and the wind. And I was low-key trying to, to not poo my pants at that moment when I was, you know, sitting on the edge of the plane. I was, I was a little afraid. I, I was nervous, for sure. And if you've ever skydived, um, you know your faith is only really uh, in one thing, the parachute. All right? If you've ever skydived, you know the parachute, that's what's going to save you. You, have, you need to have a little bit of faith, right, that'll open up and bring me safely down to earth. Uh, you, but you're going to have doubts along the way. There's going to be doubts. You're going to think to yourself, oh, man, I hope this, this parachute opens. Uh, you know, what's going to happen if it doesn't open? Will this instructor behind me, will he sacrifice his life for me? I don't know if he will. You know, you're going to question, 
the parachute. Your faith might waver at times as you free fall. You might have a little bit of faith at the, at the beginning and your, your faith might grow once the parachute gets deployed, but you, you're still going to have a faith. You're still going to have a little bit of faith, don't you? Otherwise, you're not going to jump out that plane. When you're falling from 14,000 feet, there's nothing else that can or will save you. All that matters in the end of the day, at the end of the day is you need to have faith that there's a parachute that will save you. And the parachute, that's the object of my faith, isn't it? The parachute is what matters. Jesus is that parachute. It doesn't matter how strong your faith is. He's the one that's the object of your faith. He's the one that can save you and will save you. While you have to face the storms of life, being helpless and at the mercy of nature, you and I can trust that Jesus is good, that he's a safe refuge, and that with him we'll have an eternity of peace and security that awaits. Let's pray. Now, Father, we do thank you for your word, and we do thank you that uh, you're a God who loves us enough to allow us, at times, to walk through the storms. Lord, sometimes it is hard. Sometimes we do have to face the wind and the waves that pound against our lives, and we feel so overwhelmed. Sometimes we feel like we're sinking. But Lord, we're, we're thankful that we know we get to be in your presence, and that even amidst all the storms of life, we get to come to you through ourselves before the feet of the cross and know that you're there and that you hear us, that you love us. We know ultimately, Lord, that we've been saved from the greatest storm, the storm of, of justice, knowing that, um, yeah, we're forgiven, that we get to be in your presence for eternity because of Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, as, yeah, as, as people who are, who, are, who are weak and often uh, vulnerable, um, helpless, I pray that we'll We'll acknowledge that. We'll acknowledge who Jesus is and know him as our saviour. I pray that for many of us here who don't know him as well, that we'll come to discover the greatness of who Jesus is, that he is the one that we call saviour, the one who, who saves us uh, ultimately to know you. So we do pray for that uh, in your son's name. Amen.